Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey everyone, it's Andy Bueller, high school sports reporter and host of the Scorebook Live Today podcast. So the coronavirus has shut down schools and halted high school sports, but we're taking things up a notch in hopes to help during this time of great uncertainty. Each day, we're releasing a special episode of this podcast called Dickow's Quarantine Series, where our own Dan Dickow interviews an expert in their respective field, from coaches to trainers, authors to uh, former standout athletes. Subscribe to this podcast for free, and please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep everyone safe by washing your hands and following the governor's stay-at-home mandate. We're just as excited for high school sports to return as you are. Here's Dan Dickow after a word from our sponsor. Are you a small business impacted by the coronavirus? Washington Federal is here to help. Washington Federal is a proud sponsor of Scorebook Live, and it's offering a five-year business line of credit with 90 days interest for free to businesses that have seen a 10% or greater drop. Apply now to receive up to $200,000 on business lines of credit. The folks at Washington Federal understand small businesses may need an emergency loan. They're doing their best to help during this global pandemic. If you're a small business owner who needs help, head to wafdbank.com to apply. Questions? Email business.lifeline at wafd.com. Dan Dickow, Scorebook Live, Washington, with today's podcast. Uh, during these uncertain and, and unique times, we come up with uh, different people to interview that are currently in the sports world, have been in the sports world, um, to, to provide a little bit of uh, different entertaining aspects to your day, but also some unique tidbits that might um, help a student athlete, help a coach, help a parent uh, understand how unique athletics are and how they can prepare you for all walks of life. So today I've got one of my really good friends. Um, He was a college uh, friend. Uh, He's a very good friend to myself and my family to this day. Uh, Eric Edelstein, who is, um, went to Central Catholic in Portland, graduated in 95, went to Gonzaga, graduated in 2000, and was teammates with many of the players on on their first NCAA tournament Elite Eight run. He's got a unique story that, um, again, I think will be very interesting uh, and and can be useful for people to see how athletics um, can can build relationships, they can help build your network, and help you be successful in whatever career path you take. So um, I apologize for the long intro, but it's it's necessary because this man is uh, is a dear friend, and he's very talented, and he's got a great heart for others. So, uh, Eric, appreciate you joining us today. And where are you right now in this world? Oh, my brother, I am at our house, just kind of waiting this thing out in Los Angeles. And uh, very strange time, but it sure is good to be on with you, my brother. You know, I mentioned you graduated Central Catholic High School in Portland, but you grew up in Vancouver. Um, and then you went on to Gonzaga. So no, knowing you the way I do and, and kind of setting the table for, you know, athletics and how they can 
create relationships and, and network opportunities. Um, without getting into too much detail about your athletic prowess or lack of, um, can you explain to me how somebody like yourself, who wasn't an athlete but loved being around sports, was able to kind of, you know, use sports as, as a, something that developed friendships and, and moved you forward in life? Oh, yeah. I think I was just that dorky kid where when I was 14 years old, instead of having pictures of Michael Jordan and MC Hammer on my binder, I had Marv Albert and Chris Berman and Bob Costas. And like, boy, I wonder why I, I had a rough time sometimes in high school. But I was a dorky kid, but I was going to sportscaster camps of America every summer. And it was former athletes who had just retired professionally and overweight children learning how to broadcast games. So I'd be there broadcasting with like Walter Davis and other people and having to corral my own interviews. So I have tapes of me interviewing Malik Seeley and Burt Blylevin. And then I took those tapes and sent them all over. And then Gonzaga was such a kind of a smaller program. There was an opportunity for me. So I came in and hilariously, this was before they had a TV deal. So if you wanted to watch Gonzaga games, you had to watch me. And there's, for being an actor now, I don't think there's a better training than two and a half hours of improvising live on the air, especially with priests listening, so you couldn't say anything too offensive. <laughs> so I think everybody down here has their own unique story of how they did it, but coming from a supporting background uh, helped me, can't explain. The number one thing I'll say, and this is jumping ahead, I don't know if I would have hung in here and been able to do it without the inspiration of watching you and Richie Fromm in the same backcourt together for the Clippers when I was working as an announcer. And I would have to park my car on the street because I didn't have 20 bucks to pay for that parking. And I would go and watch you and Richie play together, my two friends from Vancouver, Washington, and it was seriously like, oh, my gosh, if this doesn't show you dreams can come true, what will? So I'm so grateful to you. Yeah, it, it, it is interesting how, you know, you, you get kids from all across the state of Washington that they, they have big dreams athletically and they want to um, kind of do everything they can to achieve and realize those dreams. And many of the unfortunately kids, those dreams are put on hold if they're a spring sport athlete. When you look at your career path, um, you mentioned you weren't the greatest of athletes, but you loved being around the sport and you wanted to become a, a sportscaster and you didn't necessarily go that route, um, all the way, but it prepared you for your next, um, career path. And that was being an actor down in Los Angeles and you've had tremendous success. What are some of the things that you've seen from athletes that separate themselves or somebody in athletics like you who's been around it, you see are, is a separator? Well, again, I learned so much from Gonzaga and from Richie and from you. And being able to be in that program, and Coach View really took me in and let me work camps to get an insight into the level of work and preparation. And not only that, how they went about it with joy and with love and caring for your brother. There's no way not to be inspired and kind of see it. So when people ask me about acting, and if you're doing it right, you kind of can make it look easy. So I walk in and get to do a voice of a grizzly bear and we bear bears, and it looks easy. Well, they're not seeing the thousands of hours and the absolute amount of rejection I deal with. I probably don't get 97% of my auditions. 
And I really learned to approach it like a shooter or like a reliever where you can fail, but you have to pick yourself right back up. And I remember in school, Richie Fromm, our senior year, would play a game on national TV. And then I'd hear a knock on my window at like midnight. And he would want me to go down to the gym and rebound for me. You have that exact same singular focus. So it was very, very clear to me early that there's not a backup plan if you do this. And for every minute of work they see me doing, that there's thousands of hours of work behind the scenes. And it's also so much about positivity, visualizing, and just not allowing myself to be denied. And these are all traits I learned from my friends at Gonzaga. And I'll be say, if it hadn't been for Richie and if it hadn't been for you, I don't know if I would have hung in here and made it. But when I was watching you and him get announced to start in the same backcourt in the NBA, my two dorky friends that we used to try to get pizza discounts with, it's seriously, it was like a cheat code downloaded to this brain that's kind of thick at times to get in. But I'm constantly so grateful for that, and I can't believe it. Well, you know, one of the things that you just mentioned was uh, that, that was a wow factor to me in the last comments that you made was how you deal with rejection everybody in this world right now is dealing with rejection regardless yeah. of, of industry uh businesses are put on hold uh schools are obviously put on hold um athletics are completely put on hold and when you say deal with rejection uh, i think that's a a huge um thing that athletes or people involved with athletics have to learn to kind of work through uh is there one particular um, story that you have that you can kind of share as you worked around a rejection or worked through a rejection to end up having success down in Los Angeles? Because I can only imagine there's are, there are thousands and thousands of people that want to be in, the, in the, the industry the way that you are. Sure. And you'd be shocked. I walk into my auditions and there's 30 other giant, big, dorky guys in there. And they're the lucky ones that are lucky enough to be in the audition. There's thousands that aren't. And so for me, it is, and I'm, I'm very, very lucky that I have a lot of faith and a lot of belief, and I just do believe in things happening for a reason. And also, because I'm such a unique guy, sometimes I'll get brought in for stuff that's not right, and I'll know that. So then it becomes in my mind, how do I, how do I take that? Well, for me, it's still an opportunity to get in and make a fan. I'll be going into audition now, and I'll hear them in the waiting room offering the same part I'm auditioning to to people that are more famous than me. And I'll see other people in the room hear that and unravel and start complaining of like, how could they do that when we're here? And it's like, homeboy, it ain't about you. And I'm sorry to say that. So then it's all on me. Well, I know I'm walking in this room, it's a long shot, but I can make a fan. I can get somebody to see something in me they didn't see before and next time they will hire me. I went in and auditioned with Larry David for a part before I got that show, I didn't get the part. It went to Chris Farley's brother and I watched it. It wasn't my part. He was wonderful. But when it came down the road where they needed a jerk stonemason that didn't like Derek Jeter and got in a fight with Larry, I got to do that. Same with Parks and Recreation. I auditioned for something else first. So it's kind of like if you see the plan and you have faith and you believe, every one of those doors that shuts, a window will open, as corny as that is, and you crawl in. And you just have to believe and you have to have a short memory and you have to have faith. And I always tell people I, it would be really hard for me to imagine 
um, you know, wanting to have kids do it because the level of rejection we get is so hard. But it's just like, you know how it is, Dan. You, you, you know, it's Michael Jordan. You miss every shot you don't take. And the greatest are going to miss half of them. It's how you deal with that rejection. And this town will find new and creative ways to reject you. And then you pick yourself back up. And a sports background helps more than anything else, I think. Some, some other great words and messages, you know, short memory is something that to me that is extremely important for an athlete. Uh, you had mentioned a little bit earlier your, your time at the start of Gonzaga, and you were around some guys who've had tremendous success, college and professional level. You also have a few unique stories about a future Hall of Fame coach, Mark Few, because you were around the program before he was Mark Few. He was an assistant coach. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, and tell, me, tell the story if you'd like, I believe you were there the day he was announced in a press conference <laughs> as the future head coach of Gonzaga. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, Dan, uh, this is the greatest story. People don't believe it. It's 100% true. You can fact check it. So I was probably the most biased television play-by-play announcer ever. My roommates were on the team. Then I got hired by Gonzaga basketball camp driving vans. And that was the beginning of my entertainment career because Coach View would have me put on shows on the last night of camp. I'd do Chris Farley, I'd do The Croc Hunter, and I'd do Bill Walton. And this is when he was an assistant. And some people did not understand why you're having the giant play-by-play announcer tackle kids like the crocodile hunter and coach few believe. And he was always so wonderful to me and I'm so grateful to him. Well, the day he got hired as coach, it was camp. And he had to deal with so much media and all that stuff. And some people say they don't like it, but they do. Coach few generally doesn't really dig that stuff. And I knew it was going to be a day for him to endure all this stuff. And he's like, eh, when it's all over big fella, you know, well, let's have a beer at camp with the coaches. Well, at that time, Dan, I was about 100 pounds heavier than I am now and much lazier. So drop him off, back up the van. Now, Coach View's just finished his – he's waiting for me. And then I back the van up, and I hear a metal ping. Then I hear a sound that sounds like the biggest steel oak tree in the world falling over on itself. And this giant light pole falls down. Thank God it fell away from me or any students. This giant light pole falls down, and then the power goes out across campus. The, to this day, the worst sound I've ever heard. <laughs> and then I immediately know, because I've been trained by Coach View, son of a reverend, it's about accountability, it's about being zagged, it's about taking, taking, you know, taking responsibility. So I walk in. He's sitting in total darkness by himself, having a beer, all the reporters have finally left. And he's like, big fella, what happened? All the power went out. And I'm like, coach, it's completely my fault. I'm so darn sorry. I feel awful. Um, I, I just knocked down a light pole with the van, and it's my fault the power's out everywhere. And he just kind of looked at me, smiled. She was like, oh, big fella, they say stuff happens. Sit down, get a beer. And if that does not indicate to you why Coach View is who he is, and it's the same thing. It's that resilience. It's picking yourself back up and not getting phased in that moment. Because the second we're in battle with a leader that you know is frayed and will cave into stress, you all get more stressed. I'm sure you had coaches that yelled 
and I don't know, and they don't yell in a productive way, you aren't able to synthesize it. When I'm around directors that yell or you don't feel safe or heard, it's just, it's never going to be as good. Those are the times like, okay, this movie's probably not going to be great, but I'm going to learn a lot. And I always feel like you, you learn the most from the bad movies. And it, Coach Few showed me so much about what it means to be a leader. And also, dude, in that moment, Dan, he just gave me love. He just backed up everything he is and was so wonderful to me. And I'm eternally grateful. That's, uh, that's a tremendous story. And unfortunately, not enough people know about it. No. Um, and then, Dan, I found out later, the school charged him like $20,000 for the light pole. The power went out. He never told me. He never told me. Somebody let it slip one night at Jack and Dan's. I was like, and he's like, no, no, no. That was when the program didn't have a ton of money. That was probably a fifth of what they made that, that week. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so grateful to be a Zag. And, like, what I love is when we get together, Dan, it's always like zero time has gone by. I see you and we are trying to get free pizza again, you know, and, and no, nothing, nothing has changed. And I'm just continually grateful. And when people ask about Gonzaga, it's seriously, it's this insane alchemy of these people coming together and building this program. And they built it with, I'm starting to sound like, they built this program with empathy, with love, with understanding for your fellow man. But they, but they really did. It's, it's what makes it so special. And that goes back to, again, what athletics can do to teach you how to be a part of a team, teach you how to uh, be willing to, to serve others, to, to put your own interests on the back burner at times. Now, you started a little bit of an impersonation that I personally <laughs> think you are hands down the best in the world at. I would like to finish our Scorebook Live Washington Today podcast with a little bit of Eric Edelstein as Bill Walton talking about high school sports in the state of Washington. Oh, Dan Dickow, how lucky are we? Are you kidding? High school sports is the foundation of greatness. This is what we do. This is where John Wooden found me at Helix High School in San Diego. We love it. John Wooden, day one, high school. Learn to pull up your socks. His wife, now would tell us to do this. And it was incredible. The three greatest leaders I've seen in my life, John Wooden, Jerry Garcia, and Mark Few. We love it. We are lucky. Thank you to the Grateful Dead. Thank you to Jerry Seasting. Thank you to Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. Thank you to the Clippers for releasing me and to Larry Bird and Red Auerbach for bringing me into the fold. Oh. We love it. Sometimes it's just shining on me. Let's go. <laughs> uh, big fella, Eric Edelstein, we appreciate everything. Last thing, though, if anybody wants to, to follow you on social media or know what upcoming projects you're a part of, how can we find that out? Oh, Dan, I lost it for just a sec there. I, I heard last thing was how, how can we find that out? With uh, – how can people follow you on social media or know what upcoming projects you're a part of? Oh, yay. It's at Eric J. Edelstein. And then I've got a fun um, few animated shows. <laughs> Stuff's going to be animated for now while we're social distancing. I've got a really fun one called Hoops coming out where my buddy Jake Johnson plays a very foul mouth basketball coach. And I play his friend with a lot of bad ideas. Imagine that. Follow me on Eric J. Edelstein. And then everybody, if you want to, 
I know that, you know, we're all now homeschooling and it's a long school day. We just started this thing called at voice actors read on Instagram, where the greatest voice actors in the world, including SpongeBob, Superman, Batman, and everybody else will read to your kids live every day. Go to at voice actors read on Instagram and we'll have an archive of some of the greatest actors in the world reading to your kids, including we just had Taylor Schilling. Coming up soon, we're going to have Jake Johnson, Simon Helberg, and every voice actor you can imagine. Awesome. Well, Eric, thanks for your time. Uh, again, for the Scorebook Live Washington Today podcast, I'm Dan Dickow. It's been great having you on board today, bud. My brother, you're the best. So much love to the family. From their Manny. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.